Hey friends, you're listening to OKY. I'm your host, Michael Grove. Today is November the 20th, and we are here in the Bible reading plan in the book of Hebrews. So join me today as I start in Hebrews chapter 7. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their fellow Israelites, even though they also are descendants from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descendants from Levi. Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. 
He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weaknesses. But the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. Hebrews chapter 8 Now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. This concludes our reading for today. Let me give you a quick thought before we end our time together. We find something kind of interesting in this conversation about Melchizedek. Now, if you don't remember who he is, you have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 14. Now, during this time, Abraham's nephew Lot had taken up residence in Sodom. At that time, a collective of kings came out and fought against Sodom and the other kings. After defeating the king of Sodom, the other four kings who came out to oppose him carried away all of their goods, including their people, such as Lot. Now, a man escaped and went and told Abraham, knowing that it was his nephew who was carried away. So Abraham marched out, defeated these kings, and brought back his nephew Lot. As Abraham was coming back with all of the things that were plundered and with his own nephew Lot, the king of Sodom came out to meet him and told him, just keep all of the stuff, but give me the people back. Abraham told him that he would not keep anything other than his nephew. At that same time, Melchizedek, who was king of Salem, came out to meet Abraham also. He was both king and the priest. And when he came out, he spoke blessing on Abraham, saying in Genesis 14, verse 19, 
Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And as soon as he spoke this blessing on Abraham, Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Now, let me remind you, this is before Moses received the law and before the Levitical priesthood was set into motion. So Melchizedek, who is a king and a priest, received a tenth of everything as what would be instructed later in the law. So now, fast forward back to the book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews does what I encourage all of you to do when you read the Bible. See, every time you see a name or a place, or if you see a political time or a season or a natural event or a celebration, you should stop and ask, what does it mean? So in chapter 7, the writer of Hebrews does exactly that. Listen to what it says in verses 2 and 3. It says, First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Well, what is this writer talking about? First, the fact that we don't know anything about Melchizedek other than the fact that he came out and he blessed Abraham. Why would he say something about genealogy? Well, because the priesthood was not given to the people of Judah. It was given to the Levites. This is significant, and the writer talks about it in just a few verses, but we'll get to that in just a moment. So he's not from the tribe of Levi. We don't know his genealogy. Yet in verse 6, this is what the writer says, that this man, however, did not trace his descendants from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. The writer also makes sure that we remember that he was a king. He was the king of Salem, which means king of peace. Okay, so why is he talking about Melchizedek and why is he saying that we have a high priest in the same order? Well, we have somebody of noble birth, a king, who is also the king of peace. And in addition to that, they are the high priest. What was the job of the high priest? Well, it was to intercede for the people of God. And so the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and make a sacrifice that would represent the people. And in that sacrifice, all people's sins would be covered. Okay, so Melchizedek, who's not in the line of being a priest, acted as a priest and was the king of peace. Hmm, who does that sound like? Oh yeah, Jesus, the prince of peace. Yet, while Jesus came in the order of Melchizedek, and by that we mean he was a king, he came from the line of Judah, but also interceded as a priest. He sat on the throne, but he also offered sacrifice for the sins of the people. Yet there was something different between him and Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a human being and had to offer sacrifice for his own sin. Yet Jesus had no sin, and so he did not have to offer sacrifice for himself. He simply stepped in, paid the price, and atoned to sin for all time. Yet there still was a major difference. Melchizedek was a human being. And while they both were able to be kings and offer sacrifice as a priest, every time Melchizedek did it, it still needed more atonement. Yet because Jesus was the perfect lamb, 
he sacrificed himself. And as the king who sits on the throne, he also, as the priest, interceded for all of us by making atonement through his sacrifice. And now we have life and life everlasting. And there's a new order. The order is this, that no longer does sacrifice ever need to be made. And in addition, Jesus lives forever. This is what Hebrews chapter 7 tells us in verse 23. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. See, this is the beauty of the book of Hebrews. It constantly points back to who Jesus is and that we have him as our great high priest. And since he is our high priest, he is constantly interceding for us. He is making atonement for our sins. Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, has made all things new and he continually renews them so that we can have life with him and life everlasting. So no matter what we do, no matter what we go through, no matter where we're at, Jesus is always interceding, always making things right between us and God. And so wherever you're at today, all you have to do is ask him to forgive you and to make things right, to admit that he is the high priest who lives forever, that he is the son of God. And when you do, when you ask for forgiveness, he intercedes and makes you whole again. On that, my friends, is the best news we could ever have. That's all the time we have left for today. I love you and God bless. Thank you.